and welcome to my podcast, Soul Expansion and Inspiration. This is Series 3, Episode 12, and my name is Ali O'Shea. Today, I'd like to give a very warm welcome to my very special guest, Mal Jones. Uh, Mal is from Ireland and residing in the USA. Welcome, Mal. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here. I appreciate that. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, fellow Irish man. It's always good to have a fellow Irish man or woman on the show. <laughs> Even yeah, if your well, accent you know, is kind of half changed between American and Irish. Yeah, but, but by the end of the podcast, I'll be talking just like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you probably sound quite Irish to people out there, but, you know, living in Ireland and coming from Ireland, I can see the difference sort of, you know, and it's the same with a lot of my friends that would have moved to the USA. They kind of get this kind of a little bit of a mix of the accents. Yeah, you, you kind of have to, you know, you're embedded in it, you know, your kids yeah. are living it. So you, you pick up a lot of their stuff and you're working with people every day with it. So yeah, it's all a good thing. It's all a yeah, good thing. absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so um, tell us about your childhood, Mal, growing up in Ireland. How did your childhood shape your personal life and your professional life? Yeah, okay. Uh, well, yeah, as, as Ali said, and thanks for that introduction, Ali. Um, I am from Ireland. I was born in uh, Dublin, the only place in Ireland, really. I'm just kidding. Um, born in Churchtown in Dublin. Uh, I was born into pretty typical at the time a working class family. Um, unfortunately, I, my mother, had, what we subsequently discovered, suffered from manic depression. And that wasn't really a thing back in the, the 60s and 70s when I was born. There was no real diagnosis. There was no real understanding of depression. Uh, whatsoever um, and the result of that was you know I lived in a pretty dysfunctional home with a lot of you know physical uh, some physical abuse but a lot of emotional abuse from my mother um, she was you know uh, just a master of, of, of emotional blackmail you know it was constant fighting in our house um, everything was about money my mother was obsessed for some reason obsessed with dying um, poor, you know, on the streets, yeah. you know, homeless, which was, yeah, sure. You know, we weren't a rich family. We were a poor family and we were working class, but you know, there was no way in those days we were going to end up in the streets, but she had this just complete obsession with this, uh, you know, money was everything. And, you know, that affected me. So how did that shape my life? It would have shaped it dramatically. And, um, you know, there's very good sides to that shaping. And um, first of all, I was motivated to be better. You know, I was motivated, I was determined, I was very driven as a result of that upbringing. You know, I went to, I couldn't afford to go to college. So I went to college at night while I worked. And I, I went to college for seven years studying engineering and business. Uh, and I worked really hard at every job to be the best person to that job, even the really basic sort of entry level jobs so that I could get the next job and ultimately get more you know, money. And so I really define success as money, and stuff. And I really resolved at an early age that that was the most important thing for me to seek. So that's kind of a little bit of background on my, my, my growing up and, and, and how it kind of shaped me. Yeah. I think in Ireland as well, Mal, that, you know, you probably agree with me. We are kind of taught to work hard, work hard, or you won't get anywhere, work hard, or you'll end up, you know, clearing away the dustbins. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and I th absolutely. And not only that, I think there was a lot of, I'm sure you had it too, Ali, a lot of comparisons, which I found really, really hard. You know, your cousin is this, your, your, your uncle's that, your, 
your brothers, yeah. whatever it happens to be. It was all just this emotional uh, roller coaster. And, and the second thing, I just, just before we finish that topic that I think is really important for how I sh got shaped was I decided, and it's only in recent decades really that I realized to um, be emotionally closed, mm. completely emotionally closed and, and very matter of fact about things and show no emotion. Um, yeah. obviously that's not possible it builds up somewhere but that was a, a huge effect that 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 upbringing had on me yes yes I can imagine and I just like to 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 say I forgot to introduce you properly so I'd like to let everybody know that you are a health stress and success coach to entrepreneurs and career professionals imagine mucking up on my 42nd interview but now everybody knows what it is you do so we'll have had them intrigued for the first five minutes Mal there you go there you go I like that <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit about when you moved to the USA from Ireland and how that move came about yeah, so we moved, uh, so my daughter was born, uh, I got two kids, uh, my wife mm. and two kids, my daughter's now yeah, 17, getting ready for college, that's a completely different podcast, yeah. and uh, I got a son who's just about to turn 14, so when Mia was born in 2002, um, she was born in Dublin, at that time my wife, Nicole, who's from Killarney in, in, in Ireland, um, mm -hmm. her parents had emigrated many years before that to the U.S., uh, probably about 10 years before that, maybe 15 years before that, actually. Okay. Um, because the economy was so bad, as we all know, back in the late 80s and 90s. And they'd actually moved to Seattle. So when, when, when our daughter was born, and her parents are very young, uh, compared to what my parents were at the time, they're still just turned 70. Okay. Um, so, you know, Nicole really wanted to get near her family when we had our, our daughter. Um, at the time, my business, most of my business was actually in the US, although I was based in Europe and in Ireland. Most of my clients were based in the U.S. So I grew up loving America, loving everything about it, you know, the life, the business, reading about it. I was always fascinated about it. And I said, you know, let's go for a year and see what happens. And that was in the, the end of 2003. And it's been a long year. Wow. And that's how we got here. Yeah. And so did you work then when you got there into America and got your green card? Yeah. So, um, well, Nicole was automatically, uh, well, she, she got an automatic uh, green card because uh, her parents were here and they got the lottery so they became citizens so then she could you know become uh, a green card holder uh, I got a, at the time I got a business visa uh, when we moved over initially and then when I got here I then applied for you know the green card yeah. and then ultimately we applied for citizenship and we're all yeah citizens. it's a long Actually, process all, isn't it it is, but you know, it, it, it's not that complicated. You know, I can tell lots of stories about it, you know, but it, you know, if you follow the rules, you know, if you're smart and you know, you, you do all the right things, you don't mess up in your applications and you're just honest, it, it's actually not a, a difficult process. I think it's more difficult now mm -hmm. than, than it was um, yeah. for, for, for lots of reasons. And yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the process. We're all citizens. And then my son was born here. So he's the only one that actually can be president of the United States. So, you know, we're obviously really excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wonderful. Okay. Thanks for sharing that with us. Sure. So you worked in the corporate world for many, many years. You started five of your own businesses. You raised venture capital funding and even sold a business to an F100 company. You might have to tell people what that is. Yeah. 
In doing so, you travel the world and work 12 plus hours a day. By all traditional accounts, you were a huge success. Mm. But then at 48, you retired from that lifestyle to focus on your health for both yourself and your family. So would you like to tell us a little bit about this and explain the F100 company, <laughs> if you would? Yeah, please. wow. You know, when you read it to me, um, I literally shake a little bit because, and first of all, F100 company is a Fortune 100 company. Um, so one of the top 100 companies in the world actually bought one of my small little startup businesses. Um, okay. You know, as you say that, it really does, and I, I don't just say this lightly, it does make me shake a little bit when I read that because uh, it was, you know, technically a wonderful time. And it was a wonderful time in many ways. Don't, don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. You know, I loved it. I loved the success. I loved traveling the world. I loved, you know, just being a leader in, in the corporate world. You know, I learned so much, made so many mistakes, but I learned so much from so many people and it shaped me in, in great ways and taught me some amazing things. So I'm not knocking it for one second. And, and success, you know, people knock success. There's nothing wrong with success. Success is, is a really important part of our lives, whatever you define success as. What is wrong, what was wrong for me is how I define success. And I think, and the reason I do what I do now is because I believe we have a distorted view in our own minds of what success is. And we'll talk a lot about that a bit later. I know that, you know. So, you know, I got to a point, I was technically successful. I had a great career. I had you know, a couple of nice homes, nice cars. I even had a, a yacht, a small yacht. I was nice. going on three, four vacations a year. I had some money in the bank. And I also had what was very important to me at the time was the status that that brought with it. I was important, you know, I felt I was important. I also had a great wife and two kids and, and, and lifelong friends that, you know, I've known since I'm four or five years old. And I asked a question and I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast, but I was fucking miserable. <laughs> Deep inside I was miserable. I was for a long time, I just didn't know it. I was taking 18 pills a day. I was taking two injections a month. You know, and by the way, they were five and a half thousand dollars a month for those two injections for an autoimmune disease. You know, the glass of wine you take at the end of the day to relax after a tough day became a bottle, two. Some days it became three bottles. Mm -hmm. I was in constant physical pain, but what I didn't realize is the real pain was actually deeply emotional. I was depressed, I was anxious, I was literally wiped out. And basically walking around in a fog of medications and alcohol. And I had decided that my definition of success had to change. I really believed, actually, if I kept going, I was going to die. Yeah. And I was, I knew there was something missing. You know, when is enough enough? You know, I always say to people, you know, the incremental satisfaction dwindles with every new thing you get. When I was in Ireland, I got my first car. And unlike in America where kids get the cars at 16, I bought my own at 23, whatever it was. Yeah. It was a piece of junk. It was about a 20 year old Ford Fiesta Blue. Very That's strange. Similar to my first car. <laughs> right, right. That brought me so much satisfaction. Mm. I saved for it. I went out every Saturday morning. I washed it. I cleaned it. I hoovered it. It was a piece of crap, right? Mm. It wouldn't be allowed on the road nowadays. In fact, it went on fire in Stevens Green <laughs> one day and I stopped the whole traffic for about four hours. And, and that's actually recorded on the eye in the sky thing. Oh, really? in, yeah, it's a true story. So, but I loved it. 
you know, and then you get to a point as you go through life and you get more and you get more and you get more, you know. I remember one day I bought this brand new car, it was a beautiful car, it was a Lexus and it was a sporty model and it's, you know, I'm not even going to say how much it was. But the satisfaction I got from it was gone in 24 hours. There was something, there was something wrong. Yeah. It's like what, what we would say in the law of attraction, when you get the manifestation of the thing, it's almost like you've chewed the flavor out of the chewing gum. I, I like that. Yeah, yes. that's what it's yes. like. Yes, yes. So it's the journey that we should enjoy to getting the thing. And that's really essentially what, what, what your story is about, funnily enough. You know, it, it's about enjoying your journey and your life and finding your success the way that you want it to be deep down from an emotional point of view rather than a materialistic point of view. Yeah, it's also knowing what that is. You know, yeah. I, was, I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know I was missing something for many years, mm. many, many years. So it's, you know, I thought I had it, you know, don't get me wrong. I wasn't miserable for 30 years. Yeah. But what you don't know is, is often, you know. But when you look back, person. it wasn't as satisfying as you thought that it was. When I look back, and, and I'm going to be really honest here. I was very lucky in many, many respects. Mm. I was successful materialistically. I was successful in many ways. You know, I, I, I met a wonderful woman, my, now my wife, and, you know, um, I have two great kids. You know, I've got a good life, a really good life. So don't get me wrong. It isn't all wrong. What was wrong was the way I placed everything on the material things, mm -hmm. the way I placed the importance on um, success, and again, we'll, we'll talk more about that, but, and, you know, versus doing something that actually meant something to the world, what I call significance. Yes. And that was, when I realized that, and when I also realized that I was bottling up, you know, I was doing a lot of things like travel and extra work and extra time to stop thinking about things I needed to think about, which was, you know, some of my past and some of the things that, how it had affected me and how I was, you know, going to grow up. And, 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 you know, so it wasn't all miserable. It was, it was great. But I wish I had somebody to tell me what I know now a little earlier. Yes. Perfect. Okay. And you say that you're healthier now than when you were in your thirties, when you were diagnosed with that autoimmune disease um, and all the other things, the depression and the anxiety and blood pressure, etc. Yeah. Um, talk us through some of the methods that helped you to heal yourself to the degree that you have now almost got rid of all the symptoms um, that you experienced before. And most importantly, now that you take, as you said, zero medication. Tell us a little bit also, if you would, in there about the Wim Hof method. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's, yes, I am healthier now than, um, I hope I look at but I, I, I feel well, I don't know what you looked at like before, but you look pretty healthy. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, so I am healthier and in, not just physically, but mentally. In yeah. fact, more, I trans, transform more mentally than physically to the point where certain people literally don't recognize me in conversations anymore. Yeah. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm very happy about that in some yeah. many cases but physically yes because physically is something we can all talk about and measure and you know people say oh yeah that's you had this you don't have this you're on that medical you're not on this so let's talk about that 
You know, one of the things I discovered about medicine, and, and I did, uh, I realized a long time ago that your doctors are great people, and I have great relationships with them, and they serve a really good purpose. But they've only got two tools. And it's, it's a harsh way to say it, but they've got a pill and they've got a knife, and that is it. They don't have other options. They're not allowed to have any other options. And, and although they may have them themselves, in America particularly, they're really afraid to you know, make any other suggestions other than those two things. Here's a pill to mask your symptoms or let me go in and cut out that problem. That's, that's the only options they have. And, you know, I say this to my doctors and they don't disagree. They told me I'd be on meds for life. In fact, one doctor laughed when I told her, and I have a lot of respect for this uh, cardiac doctor. Um, she's still my cardiac doctor because she's the best. And she has come around to my way of thinking. But she laughed. And she, she didn't laugh. She, she kind of tutted a little bit when I said, I'll be off these medications in a year. And she said, you know, you need to accept what's real. And, and now she fully accepts that I'm often, you know, so I, I, I read 300, 300 plus books. I watched and, and you know, seven, I think 750, I actually keep account of all these podcasts, interviews with all sorts of people from doctors to, you know, medical to non-medical to Eastern to South American, uh, you know, festivals, whatever, to figure yeah. out what was going on. I actually went back to school. I was lucky. I, I was able to take the time out. I went back to school and, and I studied and became a personal trainer. Wow. I became a nutrition coach. I became a breathing and meditation coach. Uh, I became a Wim Hof instructor, and I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. So I, I, you know, I put in thousands of hours of research to find answers. And the most important thing I did, though, is I, I opened up and started to talk about some of the emotional um, stuff that was just bottled up inside me, you know. So I'm what, sorry, what did about me? talk to you about that? Did you go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist, or was it more with family and friends? All of the above. All of the above, um, mostly um, professional. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I, I, I talked to my wife about it, um, but at the same time, you know, at that time, I wanted to kind of protect her a little bit from it because, you know, it, it was a tough time yeah. uh, for us. And uh, so, I, I, I use a lot of professional help, which you know, up to recent years, I would have said is unnecessary. And uh, why? Gosh, was I wrong? And uh, thankfully, I found some great people. It took me a while to find people that I could relate to because it's yeah. all about how you relate to people. And so, yeah, so, you know, if anyone ever needs to talk to somebody, go talk to somebody, right? Find the right person. Don't say, well, I met someone once and they didn't like them. Go meet another 10 of them, you know? So we want to get that in there because it's very important. So what, did I, what happened with all those hours and days and years, literally years of study and research, I came up with some tools that, you know, changed me as I implement them. One is meditation I, you know, and, and, and deep relaxation because I tried meditation since I was you know, 15 years of age and failed. I thought I was successful. I, I never really meditated. And I got more frustrated and meditated and I, I discovered ways to meditate now that just get me deep and really, really quickly. Wim Hof is part of that and I'll talk about that in a minute. Breath work changed me, changed my life. You know, I, again, I would have poo-pooed this stuff, but I actually read the science because I'm an engineer and I like to see the facts. And, and that changed me. And I give an example. And before I go into an interview, before I go into any sort of a meeting, I'll take 30 seconds in my car, wherever I happen to be, and do this simple little breathing technique. And completely, I can see it on my watch. It brings my pulse straight from 72 to 40, Joe. Yeah. Right? And literally in 30 to 60 seconds. That's, that's how powerful it is. 
And uh, so that was huge. Well, I breathing is so important though. And, and people don't really think about it because we're breathing all the time and we take it for granted. But when we stop and we slow it down and we pay attention, it can make a huge difference. You know, beyond a huge difference. Yeah. You know, we should be shouting this from the mountaintops. And I would have been the one criticizing people saying you're full of shit, right? Um, maybe I just didn't want to know. Because unfortunately, when you do breathe right and you do focus and you get centered, you start to remember things that you may not want to remember. So you resist. You know, I also came up with some very sensible exercise and movements. And, you know, I, I'm not a fan of chronic cardio. I was for years getting on treadmills, running, pounding. And, the, you know, we now know the science shows it's actually not good for 99% of the population. Certainly not good for me, I'll tell you. <laughs> Well, it's not. There are physiological and biological um, detrimental factors. In fact, they now say the science is pointed to early aging with people who do chronic cardio and stuff, unless you're an elite athlete with, with the right training. Yeah. Um, so I do some you know, very sensible stuff um, and I make incredibly healthy nutritional choices 95% of the time. Um, so, you know, I came up with all these tools. Um, the most important thing I did, though, was I, I purposely figured out that I have to spend quality time with the people that I care about most um, because that's where you're going to find your satisfaction and that's where you're going to find your, your significance. Um, and I also made sure I made a commitment that I would follow my passion and I wouldn't resist my passion anymore, no matter what that meant. Now I was lucky. I was in a financial position to do that. Not everybody can do that. Yeah. You know, I can help people actually find a figure out a way to do it, even though they have to still go work 60, 70, 80 hours a week. There are many ways you can do it. You don't have to do what I did. And then the Wim Hof method. And you asked me about the Wim Hof method. And I really, really want to spend, if, if we can, a couple of minutes on this. Yeah, sure. Because singly, this method changed me more than anything else. And every single day I practice it, it gets better. Yeah. So Wim Hof, who's Wim Hof? Wim Hof is this uh, you know, crazy Dutch guy. Um, who for years was on, you know, YouTube with these crazy videos of getting into ice water. And he now has 28 Guinness World Records for the longest time in an ice bath. And wow. you know, jumping out of it, you know, holding on to a helicopter with one finger at two miles up, you know, walking out of Mount Everest 28 times now in a pair of shorts. You know, I can go on, just go search him. You guys are crazy. Okay. And by the way, I spent a lot of time with him personally. He is kind of crazy. and I love it. Right. <laughs> but... He discovered something. Well, he didn't discover something. He rediscovered what we already knew many years ago with, with you know, um, early humans and, you know, American tribes, you know, Australian tribes, South American tribes, and, you know, all around the world knew that breath work, certain types of breath work had profound effects on our physiology. Sure, they didn't have any science, but they knew just from practicing. So... The way he put it is, he, he created a method, nothing new. He took three components and he says, we harness the power of nature as our teacher. Now, I read a lot about Wim Hof. I heard a lot about him. People told me you should go practice the Wim Hof method and I didn't. One day about four or five years ago, he advertised, he was going up to, I live in Seattle, so British Columbia, which is just over the border in Canada. Mm -hmm. a couple of hours drive he was holding a, a get together a workshop for uh, uh on a saturday afternoon so i said i'm going to drive up there and i'm going to go and i register for the workshop paid me 50 bucks and then i drove up thinking you know i'm going to be in this place in the university in a little room with a, you know five or six other weirdos doing some weird shit and i'm probably going to run out the door 
Well, when I got there, I couldn't get in the door. There was about, it's the biggest uh, room in the university, open room in the, in the university. It was literally a thousand people. Wow. I would travel from all over America and parts of Canada. And, and I went in there and his, his method has three components and we don't have time to get into detail, but one is breath work, okay? And he has a method where you, you actually hyper oxygenate and then you literally hold your breath for, for as long as you can comfortably do it, which okay. is basically increasing your, your, uh, your carbon dioxide levels, blah, blah, blah. Well, why would you do that? Well, okay. We all know hyperventilation is a bad thing because hyperventilation by definition is you're out of control mm -hmm. and you're hyperventilating, you're completely out of control. His method is the exact opposite. You are completely in control, right? So what happens when you breathe in deeply, say 30 times and let go? Well, you're increasing the amount of oxygen. There's nothing, you know, nothing scientific about that. Mm -hmm. But what's more important is you're decreasing the amount of carbon dioxide in your body. Right. Now, carbon dioxide is necessary in your body because without it, you die. However, carbon dioxide in your blood is, is actually carbonic acid, so it's an acid. If you reduce it temporarily, you reduce the amount of acid in your blood. Okay. Why does that matter? Well, guess what? The acid receptors, the things that measure the level of acid in your blood, are also the pain receptors. So when you switch down or dial down the acid receptors, your pain receptors go down. Mm -hmm. So your pain reduces. Mm -hmm. First time I did this breeding in, 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 in University of British Columbia, uh, my pain disappeared for 30 seconds. That hadn't happened in 10 years. So okay. I knew I was onto something. Yeah, that's incredible. It is incredible. And, and I'll say one more thing. The, the, the real important part of this is, is cold exposure. And I know you hate the cold, Ali. Um, but... Cold exposure sounds ridiculous. But think about this for a second. If you go into a gym and you start to, you know, do some arm curls for argument's sake, what happens? You leave the gym, you do 20 arm curls, you go home, the next morning you're a little bit sore. And the reason you're sore is because your body is broken down a little bit. And then your body's starting to recover by building it up. And when it builds it up, it actually builds it up just that little bit stronger. So the next time you do that, it's going to be easier. Right now, if you went in and did 10,000 curls, well, yeah, you, you would actually disintegrate your muscles. The cold, when you get into cold, what happens? Your body goes into a state of stress. Why? Because it's fucking cold, okay? Yeah. <laughs> the body is not, it panics. It literally goes into what we call the fight or flight. And what happens? Your cortisol levels go up. Your adrenaline levels go up. Your anti-inflammatory cytokines go up. Your pro-inflammatory cytokines, so those things that actually reduce your inflammation, go down. Why? Why does that matter? Well, because your body decides at that moment in time that to survive, it needs to turn on survival stuff and turn off everything else in your body. Now, one of the things that turns off is if you've been attacked by a, a tiger in the Serengeti, your body is no longer worried about that little scrape you got on your leg. So it will turn off the repair of that scrape it will turn off your digestive system because it doesn't care about digesting. In fact, if the fright is big enough, your digestive system will literally let it all out <laughs> in, in seconds. So why is that a good thing? Well, you just turned off your inflammatory system temporarily. Secondly, you put yourself under deep stress in an environment you've got 100% control over because you can always say, I'm getting out of this bath. Yeah, I'm getting exactly. out of this shower at any second. When you practice that, you become incredibly good at managing, 
deeply stressful situations. So guess what happens? After a while, you, you actually encounter a very stressful situation. As simple as somebody cutting you off in traffic, your boss saying something nasty about you or do you or a friend posting something you don't like, guess what? It doesn't affect you because you've been practicing. And this method I, you know, has changed me, changed my life. Wow. So it lowers stress levels in essence. You actually increases stress levels to learn how to lower. You know, he says this, and I love this. It teaches you to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Okay. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love that because it really teaches you. There is nothing that rattles. I get into an ice pad every day, every single day. And you had There's one before very, you came on here, didn't you? I did. I had one at eight o'clock this morning, an hour before I came on here. And literally, it takes so much for me to get stressed out, even in very stressful situations. You know, whether it's a sick child or, you know, someone's had an accident. I, compared to what I used to be, and that's a good thing. Because unfortunately, we live in a world now where everybody is stressed all of the time. And I don't need to tell anybody here that stress causes chronic disease. We all know it causes chronic disease. There's one million studies on it, and every professional doctor in Eastern Western will tell you stress causes. Stress is really important because without it, we die. But if we can't control that constant stress of everyday life, we are going to end up like I was. You have 18 medications a day, masking symptoms, Crohn's disease, you know, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, stomach issues, sinus issues, everything comes from stress and inflammation. If we can lower stress, we lower inflammation. If we can lower inflammation, we lower opportunities for most chronic diseases. Wow, amazing stuff. You still won't get me in a nice cold bath though. <laughs> I'm working on it, I'm working on it. <laughs> okay, so thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, it's good for everybody to learn about the Wim Hof method as well. And, you know, just some of the tools that you learned along the way to help you to make you a healthier you and to, you know, find your significance, which we're going to get to as well. Yeah. Okay. So you say that people make the mistake of not proactively asking themselves um, the ultimate question, i.e. what is important to me? You also like asking people, which they get very pissed off about, um, who's going to be at your funeral? Talk to us, if you would, about these two things, um, Mal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing. Yeah, two very simple questions, right? But, but incredibly difficult to answer. And people get very uncomfortable, particularly with the second one. Yeah, I want to start by a quote by um, Maya Angelou, who's a, people know, I'm sure, is a famous a poet and yeah. civil rights woman who passed away in 2014. And this, this quote, I, I have it up in my office, I have it in my phone, is because it actually changed how I thought about people and the world. And it says, and I, I don't quote perfectly here, but at the end of the day, people won't remember what you said, they won't remember what you did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Yes, exactly. Now, if we look back in my history, and I look back in your history, or anyone else's history, you will remember how you felt around certain people, and based on how you felt is how you judged that relationship with them. And, you know, do we remember what they said to us to make us feel good or bad? No. 
Do we remember what they really did? Probably not, especially yeah. if it's a good thing. So that's a, that's a really important statement for me because it's, it, it made me realize that people care about what you do. Sorry, what you make them feel, not what you do and say necessarily. So let's talk about the, <laughs> let's talk about the funeral question, get that one out of the way quick. There's a reason I asked that question. And um, look, we all get wrapped up in, in our lives. We all get wrapped up in our jobs, in our careers. And a lot of people I work with are, are entrepreneurs and they get wrapped up more than anybody else. Okay, just like you know all about that, right? And they get wrapped up, they're stuck in their jobs, sort of working all these hours, right? And, and I get it, and that's okay. Uh, but you have to stop and think, who's gonna come to my funeral if I die tomorrow? Who's gonna actually be there? And more importantly, not who's gonna be there, because people will show up because they happen to be a colleague in the alpha. You know, Mal died, I better go along and show the face. But who are the ones that are actually gonna leave that funeral and maybe grieve a little and maybe deeply miss you are the ones who are going to care, yeah. Uh, who really care. Mm. Okay. Um, why is that important? Because I believe now, uh, I used to believe this. Well, I guess I didn't really think about it, but they're the people you should spend the most of your time with. Mm -hmm. Okay, so once you understand who those people are, spend time with them. I don't mean you have to sit around all day, you know, singing Kumbaya, but certainly make sure you carve out time to be with those people. You know, the second thing about the funeral is, you know, when, when, if you're at your own funeral and you're looking down or, well, I'm not religious, but let's say you just happen to be there. What do you want people to say? Do you want people to say something like, yeah, he was such a success guy. Do you remember that time he won that contract against that big company? Wasn't that incredible? What a guy, right? Or do you want them to say, you know, Mal, he was a good dad. He was a good friend. He was a good husband or wife or whatever. I always remember him screaming at the sidelines of his kids' soccer games. Every single game, he would never shut up. Okay. I know which one I want. Yeah. Okay. And, and we have to think about that. You have to think about what difference you want to make in the world. You have to think about what you're passionate about and how you can combine that passion with your skills to actually not only be successful financially and with stuff, but to actually make a difference. You know, I used to, I don't know about you, but... How many times are you asked as a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, lots of times. Right. And I used to ask my kids this all the time when they were younger. I don't ask them that anymore. What I ask them now is, what do they want to contribute to the world? Hmm. When they grow up? Much better question. Yeah. It's a subtle difference because we can do stuff and we can make money, but you can also do stuff and make money and get stuff and actually contribute yeah. to the betterment Impact of the world. Impact on the world. Exactly, exactly. Perfect. Okay, I like that question that you ask your kids. That's very good. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm saying they like it though, but you know, <laughs> they're getting there. Okay, so you were also a business coach for many, many years, and now you are coaching on a more personal level uh, to help people to not only stop, think, and spend more time doing the things they are deeply passionate about, as you've kind of touched on a little bit there, but also to help them do it and to be more successful. And part of that is redefining the process of success or redefining mm. what success actually is. Mm. You told me that you want to take people from a life of success to a life of significance. So can you elaborate on what all of that means for you and for people in general that, you know, may be coming to you to mm. help 
to to get to the bottom of this process? Yeah, so I I, I actually call called my method nothing proprietary there. Uh, you know, moving from a life success to a life significance. I didn't create that. It's just something I've heard over the years, and and I like it because it describes me and what mm. I do uh, every day myself and what I try to help other people with is. So what is, what does that actually mean? It sounds like good words, but so success. You know. What is success? And I ask people, the first question I ask them is, what is success to you? And the, amount, the range of answers you will get. I told you what mine was for many, many years. So I won't bore you with that again. Money stuff, okay? What, what is success for you as a person? And most people will go, it's, it's a great process because people go all around the houses. Well, you know, I need to get money. Why do you need money? Well, because, you know, I have kids and a wife, you have a mortgage. Great. Okay. How much money do you need? It goes on, it goes on, it goes on, it goes on. It goes on for weeks sometimes. And, you know, before I actually meet people, I ask them to spend weeks just writing down on a piece of paper success and mind mapping or brain dumping the mm -hmm. words that come to mind. And then we sit down and we, we try to go through it. You know, there's lots of, you know, anecdotal stories about success. And, you know, sometimes I think it's the Dalai Lama has a, a quote I love, which is, and I'll get this wrong, I'm sure, which is, you know, we have to learn to love what we have, or sorry, want what we have, not have what we want, okay? okay. And it, you know, we have all this stuff and then we're fighting for more and more and more and more. When is enough enough? So that's the first thing is to define what a success is. And it's very interesting actually, very interesting when you talk with people who believe they have a clear definition of success, within hours, they've changed that. Sometimes it's very subtle, but sometimes it's actually very profound okay. and that can happen. Through the, the questioning method, is it? Through the questioning method, through the conversation. I don't yeah. provide them with, you know, answers. I guide them through some of the, you know, some of the thinking I went through and I ask the difficult questions when they say something, you know, I want money. Well, tell me why, how much, how much is, is enough? You know, when do you want to retire? You know, I go through a lot of the practical stuff just because mm. I'm a practical kind of guy. But, you know, and, and what people generally find out really quickly themselves and not with me is that, shit, you know, I don't need to do that. I could actually, you know, whatever. So people tend to very quickly redefine their definition of success, sometimes modestly. Sometimes I've seen, wow, you know, people like me completely redefine their definition of success. So significance, what is significance? Well, okay, I think the definition is, you know, is meaningful, you know, um, being significant in somebody's life, it means you play an important role in their life mm -hmm. and maybe important role in shaping them, whether it's kids. You know, what positive difference are you making in the world, in people's lives? The next generation, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your grandchildren. And so I coach people in, on, on several things. You know, one is, you know, manage stress because I believe if you don't get stress under control, you're in real trouble. And you literally will end up where I was at some point it may take you another 10, 20 years on multiple medications and, and, and you'll be sick all the time. And so that's the first thing is to learn how to manage stress. The second thing is to look at other aspects of your health, not complex stuff, but simple nutritional choices, simple exercise choices. You know, one of the things I do, and I tell you, here's a great tip. Every time you need to go to a meeting, somebody calls you up and says, hey, I'd love to sit down with you and have a coffee. Say, sure, I'd love to have a chat with you, but let's go walk. I do it all the time. There's a lake near us. I, I, I'll tell people, I'll meet you at the lake at 12 o'clock. We walk, it's an hour around. 
and we'll have our conversation. Sure, if you want to bring a coffee, we'll, we'll have a coffee too. Mm. But just stand outside. Just do things that fit into your life. Well, I don't have time because I work 12 hours a day. Well, you could probably walk for lunchtime or with, with a colleague or something. Um, and um, really getting people to think about the word significance is, is how significant are, they, are, are in the people's lives around them. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. It's very important that we find that significance, I think. Yeah. 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 Okay. And what does success mean to you? And what does the word significance mean to you? I know you kind of touched on them there, but yeah. you personally in your own life, yeah. what, what is success to you? And then what is a life of significance to you, Mal? Yeah. It's a good, yeah, I love that question. And, and success for me is very different. Okay. Now my success in my mind is inextricably intertwined with the significance of how I live my life. Mm. Ooh, that's a lot of big words, right? So, but success for me now is just being happy, being healthy, being strong. So I'm there for the people around me. And I'm going to talk, you know, some examples about this in a while, I know, but I'm there for my family. I'm there for my friends, hopefully. I'm there for my clients. And I'm there for my community. And hopefully, you know, if we can influence broader, I'm there for the broader uh, communities of the world that what I do can actually make one small ripple in someone's life. Having the resources necessary to allow me to do that is, is a measure of success, right? I have to, if I want to follow a passion, yeah. Let's not hide the word money. You need money. You need to make money. Everyone needs to make money, and that's fine. But it's not all about the money, mm. right? You know, some of, some of the most successful people I know do make a lot of money, but they give away most of the money anyhow. Yeah. Right? And, and the ones that don't, and, and it's not a general term, and i got to be careful here, is I also know people with a lot of money who don't give it away and work 15 hours a day and are absolutely miserable. So what's success? Doing what I'm passionate about every day, doing this, having a conversation with you that maybe some person somewhere in the world will listen and go, wow, they don't need to pick up the phone and call me, but I'm going to look at this and I'm going to change how I look at this. That's all I want. If somebody did that, this was a fantastic success for me. Yeah. The making a little difference. Yeah. Yeah. Make me, making a difference to people. Yeah. True difference. Not, not this hypothetical difference, but you're actually making a difference to people's lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And look at you do, Ali, right? You host, well, you do lots of things, but in this case, you're hosting this podcast, and I think you've had 30 plus episodes at this point. You're number 42. 42? Why was I not number one? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't know I was, you back then. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a success for me. No, but my point to you is look, you do this fundamentally, I know, because you believe that by bringing in people with a certain skill or experience or a lesson or whatever happens to be, different people, um, that somebody might be affected. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, some people will actually save somebody's life someday, maybe. Mm. You know, it's not like you're jumping out in front of the train, but, but maybe by reducing stress, somebody doesn't have a heart attack in six years. You know, who knows? Um, but you don't really care about the detail. What you do, you do what you do because you're passionate about helping people. And that is something of significance. And I believe, and maybe I'm wrong, but if you don't have some level of significance in your life, you can't be truly happy. Yeah. That's my belief. Yeah. Perfect.
you know, it, it is important and it's really important to share these to, to share the inspirational people that I've met along my journey. And it's an absolute pleasure and joy because it does mean that there's whoever is meant to listen will listen to it. That's exactly. what I truly feel. And as you said, surely it can help somebody along the way. Out of 42 people that I've interviewed, each and every one of them has something to offer everybody that listens to this podcast. And that's why it's so important. You know, I'd add to that, Ali, is everyone who listens to your podcast has something to offer. True. Absolutely. And maybe they don't know what it is yet, but I would ask them to think about it. What's, what can you do to add significance to the people around you? And it could be as simple as to your husband, wife, child. Mm. You don't have to save the world. But everybody watching has something to offer exactly. that we don't already know. Yeah. And maybe they don't know. Exactly. So they got exactly. to dig, dig deep, ask themselves Absolutely. questions. Absolutely. Brilliant. Okay. All right. You are not really religious, but you're deeply spiritual. So what does spirituality mean to you, Mal? Yeah. It's a, it's a tough question for me. You know, I was brought up Catholic in Ireland and you're familiar with them. Well, I'm not sure if you've really been brought up Catholic in Ireland, but uh, I was brought up Catholic in Ireland and it's, it wasn't a good experience. Mm. You know, I could literally show people some of the scars I still have from the Christian brothers. And so it wasn't a good experience. And, but apart from that, I, I've learned to believe and there's a lot of people I may offend here and I don't mean to offend because I am a respectful person for all religions or no religions but i do believe organized religion or organized doctrine forces people into a limiting belief on how great the world really is and and by the way how we can experience it i'm not criticizing religions at all some of my best friends are extremely religious they come from all walks of religion i respect them all deeply mm. but my personal opinion is is it restricts me the doctrine restricts me in not just what I can achieve for myself, but what I can give to the rest of the people. You know, so when I, when I went into my transformation, I was, you know, a very unemotional person. Um, but something happened that, and it's really difficult for me to describe it because I'm a skeptic, but something happened that I started to feel energy inside me, which I never felt before. I started to feel that energy connecting in certain environments. For me, uh, I, I'm addicted to getting into the sea. I always was since I was a child, right? So I love seawater, salt for some reason puts me in a very deeply relaxed state. Yeah. Um, so for me, water, uh, forests, I hike, I walk, I love to be among the trees and the air and I love to meditate in the forest. So I was starting to feel a connection that I couldn't explain in my scientific knowledge, right? Uh, or my engineering world, right? I couldn't explain that. I do believe in the law of conservation of energy because it's, you know, it's a law. It's a physics law. You know, I do believe energy can't be created. It can only be changed form. And we, you know, you always have the same amount of energy. Destroyed. What's that? Can't be created or destroyed. That's right. You know, it's a constant and it just moves from one form to another. So what do I believe spiritually when I die? Uh, do I believe I go off to heaven or I go off to wherever, you know, it is? No, I, I believe my body, just like any other physical body dies and rots away and feeds feeds the you know whatever it feeds and but that our energy my energy 
that I have just moves and goes on back to the universe and perhaps is used in a different form or fashion as something. Is that reincarnation? No. Is it the Holy Spirit? Not that I believe. Is it, you know, a ghost? No, I don't know. But for me, it's just simple scientifically energy moving from this body over here to this body or this thing or this life form over here. But I do also believe, and, and this was the hard one for me to get my head around it, is I believe that we as human beings can channel our energies through various methods of, you know, churches call it prayer and, you know, some people call it worship, some people call it whatever. For me, it's meditation, reading practices and other practices. I mean, one of the most profound spiritual experiences I ever had was at a Wim Hof um, program where we had 68 of us in a circle, in a breathing circle with Wim leading us. Won't go into the detail. It was a two-hour session. It was amazing. But what was amazing was, and, and I don't, I just could not believe this would happen, is that, and they did some measurements during it, everybody's heart goes to roughly about the same pace. Yeah. And if you actually, and they've done scientific tests, if you actually measure the frequencies of people's uh, voices and bodies, internal frequencies, they all go together. They all, I'm not sure, I'm looking, looking for a word, but they all, you know, synchronize, synchronize, I think that's yeah. the word. Yeah. synchronicity of heart and of energy that was profound to me so i believe we can channel energy mm -hmm. to you know have positive or unfortunately negative results mm -hmm. to us personally physical and mental health and we all know that we can make ourselves depressed we can make ourselves sad we can make ourselves and that's not to demean depression i suffer from depression it's not it's not but we can make ourselves worse and we can make ourselves better mm -hmm. and so i believe you know, if that all means I'm spiritual, I guess I am. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yes, we can. And we can, we can project our energy out there, just like you said, to give positive or negative feedback to us. Um, mm. You know, and uh, when we go down the negative route of, you know, spiraling into depression, sometimes we get into that victim mindset and we go further and further and further down. Yeah. yeah. So having experienced depression over 25 years of it myself, I, I know these things too. So, um, you know, it's very important that people understand those things. It is. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that because, you know, as I said earlier in my story, my mother suffered from depression. Unfortunately, at a time where nobody knew what my depression was or treated it. And, and, and you, I know, when you started with your depression issues, there wasn't a lot of uh, guidance. And, uh, yeah. Beautifully, you found a way through it, and, and now yeah, we, we, actually turned that energy, and that you were, you know, focusing on, on on the depression issues into helping others, and that's 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 incredible. Yeah, we always go through things for a reason, you know. Yeah. Always, always, you know, in life they're either lessons or blessings, and I always look at my story as a huge, huge blessing because you know I've gone on to do what I do. So I'm very, very honored and very blessed to do what I do. Absolutely. Okay, so all the change that you you made certainly appear to make sense. And I know you have many personal stories that have clearly shown that living a life of significance and following your passion is key. Can you share one of these validation stories with us, please, Mal? Yeah, and before I do that, I just want to I want to say a couple of things of why I do what I do, because I think why I do what I do is important. And first I want to clarify why I don't do what I do. I do not do what I do so people can 
better manage stress, but they will. I don't do what I do so people can become more successful without stress. I guarantee you that if they do some of these practices, they will. Mm. I don't do it so they get happy, happy, healthy, you know, stronger, avoid diseases, maybe even reverse some chronic health conditions like I did. And I'm not saying we cure anybody, but you can cure yourself, but you certainly will. I do what I do so that when people achieve that, just like I did, they'll be so vibrant and passionate and so significant in people's lives that they'll come back to me and tell me a story. So I, I, I want to tell you one of my stories and, and I've got so many, but one that happened actually quite recently and, and a little background on it is I asked my kids probably five or six years ago to, um, you know, if it's my birthday or father's day or Christmas or whatever, and you want to buy me a gift, don't buy me a gift because first of all, I don't need it. If it's something I really want, I probably already got it. Right. Mm. And you know, if, if, if you're buying something just to kind of fill a stocking or something or a package, it's probably not good for the environment anyhow and all those other reasons. But, but what I said to him is, look, I understand you might want to celebrate or mark the day. Um, and if you do, that would be wonderful. Maybe just write me a little note, maybe um, give me an experience, you know, and, and I've got lots of things from them over the years, but and I, got, I keep these on my desk, right? So my birthday, my 54th birthday was in October. And, um, let me just get my, uh, my glasses here. Sorry. <laughs> um, and you know, my, my daughter, my son is 13 and my daughter is 17. They both wrote me a letter and, you know, um, different things. And I'm not going to go through the letters, but I, I just want to give a little quote from yeah. each of them. And my, my son said, he said, uh, one of the things he said is I want to thank you for being the best father in the world. Thank you for helping me when I'm stressed and being super kind and loving. You've always been there for me. Okay. There's lots more in the letter as well, but Lovely. That brought me to, uh, you know, if you want to know if you're making, you know, and this isn't me on a mountain telling you how wonderful father I am. I'm not, I'm deeply flawed. But for me, these letters are more important than, than all of the stuff I have. Yeah. Like, yeah. But by, by immeasurable amount. And then I want to read the one for my daughter. She's going to college next year. And she, she talked about that. She's like me. She has a sense of humor. She's a good sense of humor. She tries to hide behind the humor like I did for many years. And so she made the letter very funny, which I really enjoyed. But she said a couple of things that literally brought me to my knees. Um, and I'm going to read a bit of it here. You know, she said, you're the best dad anyone can ask for. He says, I know you will be a great granddad to my kids. And then in brackets, by the way, she said, no, I'm not pregnant. Yeah, right. <laughs> she said, I really appreciate, appreciate the way you raised me. Even if some people think you're a little too chill, I think it worked for the best. But really... I do want to raise my kids like you raised me. Now, I, beautiful. I literally um, broke almost when I read that. Yeah. And why? Because my daughter thinks I'm wonderful. No, I think most daughters think their fathers are wonderful. Um, because you've done the job that you wanted to do. Yeah, I did the job I wanted to do, and but in the second part of my brain is why I'm happy. Is because I know. If I kept going the way I was going and we brought them up the way we were bringing them up, not that there was anything wrong with that, but I was still doing all of that crazy stuff. I would never have received that letter. Okay. In fact, it could be a lot worse, right? I mean, you don't even want to go there, but that meant to me, that's what I call a, a life of significance, right? 
I'm not changing the world with that letter, but maybe I'm changing one person's world. Right? And she's going off to college this year. And I, I finished that by saying, look, um, you know, the reward that, that you can get, whether it's a Nobel Peace Prize because you literally changed the world or a letter like that, why I do what I do is not all those things we talked about. It's that someday somebody I spoke to or heard me sends me an email and says, hey, look, I got this note from my son, my daughter, my mother, my client, my whatever. And I wanted to share with you because I was inspired by something you said on a podcast back in you know, November 2019. That, to me, means I'm living a life, of not just success, but a life of success and a life of significance. Beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing those parts of those letters with us from your family. It'll kill me, by the way. <laughs> just tell them they're just small excerpts. I could have right. read the whole letter. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. That'd be embarrassing for me, too. <laughs> yeah. Which bits did you leave out, Mal? <laughs> no, I'm not going there. I'm taking the fifth. All right. Okay. Now, I know, Mal, that you have a very special gift for the audience. Would you like to tell them what it is? Yeah. Look, so... I, I, as I said, I, I do this and people know why I do this. So for your audience, I wanted to give, I, I, I obviously don't have unlimited number of hours, but I wanted to give five people who send me an email, put in the subject, I want to move from a life of success. Let's say the first five people. Yeah, sure. Sure. First five people, I want to move from a life of success to a life of significance. And then just give me a couple of lines about why. Uh, don't just do it because you get something do it. I want to know that you're, you have a reason. We all have a reason. What's bothering you? What's, why, do you why do you think you're going in the wrong direction? Because one thing is I have learned, just like me and probably you and everybody I've ever met, if you are not ready to make a change, I could spend the rest of my life with you and I won't change it. Mm, yeah. You've got to have oh, a, the right mindset. You've got to have the right mind. You've got to be ready. You, gotta, you don't necessarily need to know what you need to change. You just need to notice, God, I just can't go on like this. There's something I have to do. Because that's where I was. I had no idea what I needed to change. But I did know I needed to do something drastically different. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you're a business owner, it doesn't mean you have to give up your business. In fact, quite the opposite. Okay. So, so first, my people... Tell people again what they have to do? Uh, just send me an email. The email address, mal, M-A-L, at ismal, I-C-E-M-A-L, because I like cool bats. I smile dot energy, no, not dot com dot energy, because we're all here about manifesting energy, right? Or the website, if you want to go there, there's a form in there as well. It's just www.ismile.energy. Wonderful. And what do they get then if they email you and you? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be a good thing to talk about. Yeah, so what I would do is I would just get on the phone call, or maybe it's a Skype call. If you're in the area, if you're in my area in Seattle, I'm happy to meet and go for a walk and chat and um, talk about. You know, let you talk about what you what you're what you're trying to achieve, uh, and in that time, and absolutely no commitments, absolutely no commitments to do anything. I will give you everything I know, and tell you the things that you might want to try, and I'll point you to, to the right people because I didn't create any of this stuff. I just put it together in a program, uh, but I'll point you in the right direction depending on your particular circumstances and where I know you could get the best help and probably the best, you know, the best for your limited time um, and. And what's the biggest priority for you? I can help point you in the right direction. Wonderful. Thank you for that. That's very generous. Oh, oh, excited. 
Okay. And lastly, do you want to just tell everybody, I know you've given your email address there, just give your website again and whether you're accepting friend, friend book, Facebook friend requests, um, you know, where people can message you if, if they want to, et cetera. Um, yeah. Places to reach you and exactly the service that you provide then is exactly what we spoke about really, isn't it? Taking yeah, people through the process. I literally coach people to do all of those things, but ultimately for a reason, you know, get less stress, be healthier and all those things, but for a reason. And I specifically like to work with people who are under severe stress, like, you know, business professionals, people running their own businesses, whether it's one person on their own or, or, or bigger, it doesn't matter. Because I understand that mindset very, very well. Um, I work with all sorts of people, but that's, that's really where I'm, I know my skills are. Um, so, you know, I can help guide you. I can give you tools. I can do all those things. The best way to actually learn a little bit about me is, is go to the website, which is just www.ismail.energy, E-N-E-R-G-Y, um, or email me, mal at, sorry, mal at ismail.energy. And also, if you want to friend me on Facebook, my preference is you friend me as my ismail profile rather than my personal one, because I do try to separate them a little bit. And also, that has a limit, which I'm really close to, so I need to transition people over. I monitor a boat constantly and always answer requests or any, any, um, any questions that people might have um, whenever they send them up. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Mal. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Thank you for sharing your story with us. And um, here's to a life of success and significance. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for being my last and final guest on series three of my podcast, um, episode number 42. So thank you very much and um, namaste. And we'll say goodbye to the listeners and we'll see you around. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Mal.